And hello again, everyone. Welcome to another edition of HBS Legal Trends. I'm John Ray. And folks, we've got two great guests today. Uh, Joseph Herbert is with us. Uh, Joe is a partner with the HBS, uh, with HBS, and he's co-chair of the Construction Practice Group. And he's sitting alongside Mark McGivern. And Mark is principal, chief executive officer, and founding partner of CCA, Construction Consulting Associates. Gentlemen, welcome. Good afternoon, John. Nice to be here. Hey, great to have both of you. Um, Joe, let's start with you. To give everyone a little introduction to you and the work you do at Hallbooth Smith. Sure. Thanks, John. Um, I am recently with Hallbooth Smith after having spent uh, 24 years with another firm. I am the co-chair of the construction practice group which includes construction defect work. It, it includes uh, transactional work related to construction, property damage. It includes personal injury uh, and, and some zoning and regulatory work. I have been practicing for north of 27 years in a variety of uh, formats. Although, to be honest with you, John, I did not go to law school waiting to be a construction litigation attorney or a construction practice attorney, I actually went to be Ari Gold from Entourage, uh, a sports uh, agent, so to speak. But unfortunately, I didn't know enough athletes to make it profitable. So <laughs> somehow I uh, wound up doing construction, which uh, was a, I guess, a background love for working in construction, uh, putting myself through college uh, when I was younger. Yeah. Cool. Um, yeah, I, I always love to ask attorneys cause there's so many different places you can go if you get out of law school. It's like what, what lit your fire about construction? sounds like you just answered that question, but if you got anything yeah, to add, I, I add, worked construction, um, in, in various formats to help pay for college tuition. My brother is an engineer. Um, my father was very handy. So I guess it's it's somewhat it was somewhat faded that if I didn't become a sports agent that I would naturally go to construction related issues. Terrific, Mark. Let's turn to you. Give everyone an introduction to you and your work at CCA. Sure. So in 1990, um, myself and uh, two other partners started this little company, CCA. Um, prior to that, I spent about 16 years working in uh, family um, and corporate um, industry, doing construction engineering related work. And uh, in 1990, um, we started, uh, myself and two other people, um, CCA, with the idea of bringing architecture, engineering, and construction together to solve complex problems. Um, and in terms of my general background, I've been a construction manager. I've been a general contractor. Um, I'm an active expert these days in construction-related matters. I've also been a developer, um, and I do a fair amount of um, speaking engagements and teaching as well. Um, and as the CEO of CCA, um, I'm basically the vision person behind the growth of the company and the sustainability of it. Same question for you, Mark. Talk about what it is about the construction industry that, I mean, maybe inspired you and wanted you, you wanted to have a career and own a business in this industry. 
So I'm a third generation guy in the construction engineering business in terms of both of my grandfathers were either developers or engineers. My father was a, a developer and an engineer and inventor and a contractor. And I sort of fell into the business. Um, and like Joe, um, I initially started doing it well, summers while I was in school and migrated into it. Um, I'm still here 40 plus years later. Terrific. Let's talk about how the two of you work together. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, maybe, Mark, maybe we can start with you. How, how did you, how did the two, two of you first meet? Well, actually, Joe might be the better guy because Joe's the, Joe, uh, Joe has the great story, I think, about this. Yeah, okay. So, John, we, I, I had been asked to take over, there had been a construction case with a developer years ago, maybe, I don't know, 13, 14 years ago, that uh, I had been called up to come in and sort of clean up somebody's mess. And I started handling the case and we were getting close to trial. And my expert developed a significant medical uh, problem. And so uh, I was stuck without an expert. And I went to the court and I said to the court, you know, I can I have 90 or 120 days to get a new expert uh, to get things done? Uh, because it was a significant case. And the judge said, I'll grant you a, an extension, Mr. Herbert, but you have uh, 30 days to get everything done. And I want a report in 45. And it kind of blew my mind because we needed engineering, architectural, you know, cost estimation, the whole deal. And I was scrambling to try to find some place that could handle all of those things in one stop for me. And what happened was somebody I knew, I, I call, I started calling people and I, I somebody I knew threw out CCA to me. Now, I had never heard of CCA at the time, but the more I started doing my due diligence, I realized, wow, they, they're pretty reputable. And what I liked best about it is they were a one-stop shop for me. So mm -hmm. I was able to call them. And this case was a disaster. And I called Mark and thankfully, Mark's uh, company had the capability within 24 hours. They had a team out there and uh, we were able to meet the deadline because Mark mobilized, you know, everybody. He mobilized architects, engineers, cost estimators, and we swarmed, literally swarmed on this building. And within my time period, um, Mark was able to um, to get me what I needed, and and I was able to to resolve the matter in a favorable way for the client. Uh, so that's that's how we first met, and you know, I've I've used other experts. Uh, through the years, but I, I always enjoy working with Mark and his company, even when their their opinions and their their uh, <laughs> advice to me is not always favorable, and it, it goes against my clients. And, and I would add that um, Joe, you and I have have been on both sides. We've been adverse to each other and on the same yeah, I, side, I, and and that's been kind of a fun experience when when we Joe's been on the other side defending somebody. And um, and having him on the case, uh, you know, John, that's a really good segue as to why we're here today, because one of the the, the reasons why we wanted to talk about this was, you know, the adv the advantages of retaining an expert early right. on in a case. And, right. you know, for me, first and foremost, you know, and I, I wasn't even thinking about this when we put this together. But Mark reminded me, first and foremost, I want to get an expert so I can get a quality expert like CCA or somebody involved in this case before one of the other parties 
scoops them up because a lot of the cases that we're involved in have multiple, multiple parties. I mean, I've had a case where there's been 450 defendants. So quality experts go pretty quickly. So uh, that's a good segue as to, you know, one of the reasons why we're here today. Yeah, that that makes sense. But what I'm hearing about Mark, though, and, and I'd love to, for both of you to address this, Joe, from your perspective, and of course, Mark, you run in the firm, is this combination of engineering and architecture and construction, this, all this expertise in one place is very unique. Even though there's a lot of experts out there, this is a pretty unique combination. That's what I'm hearing. Yeah. Um, from an attorney's perspective, from my perspective, I get a case that um, it's a, let's say a construction defect case. And I have, I have to consider, you know, it's a complicated case and I have to consider multiple factors. Was the design sufficient. You know, my client, if I have a developer, if I have a contractor, a lot of areas and a lot of levels of allegations are being made. And we have to look at was the design appropriate. Uh, and if we need to bring a case against uh, an architect for, per se, you know, I need an architect who can give me an affidavit of merit or who can somebody in, a, in that field who can look at it and determine did they meet the standards of care. I also need an engineer who can tell me from an engineering standpoint, uh, you know, whether the work that was performed by my clients uh, was sufficient. And if it wasn't, I need to know that early on so that I can appropriately address that with my clients and, and adjust their expectations and, and how I defend the case. Uh, we need their the capability to go out there and, you know, roll up their sleeves and maybe cut open a roof or take some siding off so that a, an investigation can be continued. And then, you know, to wrap it all up, I need somebody with expertise in costs so that we can, you know, it's all well and good if we can figure out what the cause was. And if, and if we're responsible for that, I need to tell my client or if, if there's an insurance carrier involved, okay, we have some liability here, but, and the defects are X, it's going to cost us this much. And this is what, if we're looking to settle, this is what we can anticipate settling for. If we go to trial, this is potentially, you know, what we can show or limit the damages to. Um, you know, it, it makes a lot of sense to have one company that is proficient in all of those areas because I can deal with one set of people instead of calling up three or four different experts from three or four companies and then try to coordinate inspections, try to coordinate meetings, try to coordinate reports to, to come together. It, it, it makes the experience with a company like CCA invaluable. It also makes my life a lot easier because these cases are complicated enough and to coordinate it all under one roof makes my job easier and ultimately makes me better able to, to, to work with and represent our clients. Yeah, it saves, certainly saves the client some money, that's for sure. And time is money. So if you're saving time, you're saving money as well, right? right? So yeah, Absolutely. Yeah. And, you know, I don't have to send the same, you know, there are cases, Mark will tell you, uh, I've sent him hard drives with 4 million pages of documents sometimes. And for me to be able to send it to one company uh, that they can review, it certainly makes it easier than having to send it to four different companies and having four different companies review the same set of documents, you're 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 basically, you know, quadrupling the costs. Um, plus, 
I know when you have one company, whether it's CCA or another company, you have, when it's all under one roof, the, the likelihood of coordination and interdisciplinary working together is much higher than if you had four separate companies or four separate experts at different locations. Mark, let's turn to you. Did, when you started your firm, did you have this in mind or did, did the market dictate this after you got into business or how, how did you evolve toward this model that you have? Somewhat by accident, mm. to be quite candid. Um, CCA basically got started in 1990 because um, I went away on vacation and came back and had four feet of water in my house, called the town that I lived in, and they said, no, nah, that's not our problem, even though their water meter broke. Mm. And all of a sudden, I had all these issues. And I, and I had we had within the company engineering and construction expertise, code expertise. And I fell into it by accident because... The, the town sent out an insurance adjuster, then they hired a lawyer and we got the case resolved. And the insurance adjuster basically said, hey, you guys are kind of good at this. Do you want to do some insurance work? That was in 1990. And we've been doing that ever since. Um, the, way we, the way we developed this was by accident, but the intentionality of being architecture, engineering, and construction together, working as a team is very oppositional to the traditional process of how projects get designed and built. Typically, it's design it, you bid it, and you build it. And it's very adversarial. Mm -hmm. I came out of a design-build background, and I didn't want to be dealing with that. And I thought the collaboration amongst experts in their fields, bringing them together to work to solve one problem in one place was the way to go. That's how, honestly, this developed. But I'd like to address one other thing, which is there's a couple of value propositions here, and some of them are monetary and some of them are non. Joe touched on some of the monetary ones. The, the more intrinsic value here is that by bringing experts together in engineering and architecture and construction, um, there's a roundtable process, if you will, if you're objective, independent, professional, where an architect leaves and an engineer enters and then the architect and engineer decide what's to be done and then the constructors and the estimators and the schedulers understand the vision of what those experts believe it becomes a discussion here's the value proposition in the long run if the lawyer is involved and this is about communication the lawyer involved is getting the benefit of hearing those discussions and being part of it and being educated along the way in a very efficient and um, process-oriented way. What it does is it improves the overall quality of the investigation. It allows the, the lawyer the tools to frame his case, whether it's good or bad. And it allows us as the experts the, uh, the um, almost the privilege of getting to work together collaboratively and independently and professionally. And what happens when you do that is you generally get to the, the right answer. It's not always the right answer for the client, but it's the best answer. It's the right answer, or it certainly helps the lawyer define what are the other problems here. So that's a benefit of working in this collaboration. So while it was accidental, um, the, the pushing um, our industry this way um, has been very intentional. And, and I'd be remiss to say that there aren't some other fine firms out there that do most of what we do. There are a few other firms out there that kind of work in this collaborative way. You know, you know, John, 
if I may, to further what what Mark touched on here, sure. there are so many advantages in having a company like CCA involved in litigation from a, an attorney's perspective. Mark touched on the fact that they, you know, the roundtable process. Uh, working in construction gave me some background into this into this field and some knowledge, but certainly I'm not an expert and. I've gained a tremendous amount of expertise in my, you know, almost 30 years of doing this by listening to experts, by going out to site inspections. Uh, when, the, when the inspections and the investigations are done, you know, I have hard hats here in my office from some of my clients because I've gone out to jobs and, I, and they, they give me one of the, when they see me wearing somebody else's hard hat, they get all defensive and say, no, 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 here, take, take one of ours. But that's where, you know, working with a company like CCA to go out when they're doing the initial inspections, you know, a picture is worth a thousand words, but an inspection is worth 10 million. You're looking at, at what's going on. The expert can show it to you right there, explain it to you. And, and having the expert involved early certainly helps me with that. It, it gives me the opportunity to understand early on, is this a case? And, and then I can bring this to the, the client. Is this a case that, you know, we're in trouble here. I should do what I can to to limit their exposure and to settle this and resolve this and get away. Or do we have valid defenses? And using that, I can then tailor my narrative in representation of the client. And having the, the knowledge early on allows me to do that. It also allows me to, with the expert involved, there have been plenty of cases and plenty of times where you get an expert involved later on and they say, well, did you ask for this? Or did you ask these questions at a deposition? And discovery is closed at that point and it's too late. Mm. But by getting an expert involved early on, I can then involve somebody like Mark's company to help me tailor, particularly with the trend now with limiting interrogatories and discovery, I can tailor my questions and what I'm asking so that I get the most uh, information possible and that I get Mark and his people the information necessary in order that they can help me. Uh, they can also help me prepare for a deposition by pointing me in the right directions, the questions to ask, uh, particularly of experts that I'm dealing with. Um, you know, and in the long run, while there may be some expense in getting them involved early on, in the long run, I have found and my clients, both individual companies and insurance carriers, have agreed with me that it has been beneficial to them because we can give them a better product, a more prepared product. And while they may be spending a little bit more on the defense on the front end, certainly on the back end, they are saving multiples of that because I'm getting a better result for them, whether it be a uh, a better settlement or a better verdict or, you know, resolving the matter without um, a, a more significant outlay on their part. And, and I would add, uh, this is kind of an interesting anecdote. Many years ago, Joe, when we were early in our relationship, called me and said, I got a carrier I do a lot of work for. They want a proposal. I gave them a proposal. They came back and said, oh my gosh, this is too much. Cut it down. Whoa, blah, blah, blah which is pretty typical. We're fine with that. Mm -hmm. Joe made a push for the care the, the, to the carrier to have us do more work. And the carrier basically said, okay, I'm not real happy about it, but 
and we got to the end of the case and they went, that went okay. That process happened two or three or four more times. And I would say about two years after we started that work with that client, and we did a few jobs together. All of a sudden, Joe called me and said, the claims handler told me to call you right away. There you go. I just got notice of this claim. It's their claim. They want to use you. Mm. And I was stunned because I'm like, that's not the normal. That doesn't happen a lot. And I ended up speaking with um, Joe about it and, and the client. And they said, look, you know, the whole point is, is that we're seeing the value. And, and I said, there's two value propositions. The value proposition was that they felt that they were getting good information early from which to make decisions. And that is our, our, our primary job is to be in the communications business, help set expectations, help, help technically explain the case, how to put together the issues in a way that the lawyers and all the other parties can understand. Our job is not to figure out the legal side. Our job is to report the information and have a basis. And I think the point is years later is that's a very valued client for us. Um, and we enjoy doing the work and we've been, we've been gifted with the freedom to sort of do what we need to do as long as it's reasonable. And they, we've gotten some really good outcomes out of that. And a couple, one of the cases that I remember in particular ended up being a policy limit decision, but they knew it in two months. And they felt like they were able through Joe to just get the thing done and in the long run save them a lot of expert expense and probably legal fees too. You know, and and it does help having the expert in early on um, because when it is not a favorable case for our clients, and I know I mentioned this earlier, but <laughs> when it's not a favorable case for our clients, I like to let the clients know early on. Not that it's just not a favorable case, but why it's not a favorable case. Because if I'm dealing with a, if I'm dealing with a, a client directly, a company, nobody likes to admit that they did something wrong. And for me to explain to the client, you know what, the way you installed this stucco was incorrect. Uh, and here's why. If they hear it just from me, it's not good mm -hmm. because they think, oh, you're just an attorney. You know, you're doing this. Uh, but if I if I have an expert involved and the expert, uh, you know, participates and, and provides me with information, I can show them, look, this is an independent expert. This is somebody who, you know, has been retained to provide an opinion. They provided us the opinion. Here's what the situation is. I can then, uh, you know, say to them, look, it would be real easy for me to give you this news at the end of the day after I've charged you. You know, I've worked on a case for two years and I've charged you all of this money in defending this case and then hit you with it. But, I, you know, by doing it early on, it also helps the relationship because whether it's good or it's bad, they know the situation up front. They know what they're dealing with. As Mark said, I give them, but I get a budget all the time from whatever expert I use. I present that to the client. The client signs off on it. They know what they're going to spend. If we see we're getting to the end of the budget, then I asked the, you know, the expert for an updated budget. All of this helps build the relationship. And then this way, early on, when the expert is in early on, I communicate, as Mark said, to the client what the situation is. They know every step of the way. This way, good or bad, they know early on what's happening. And they don't think that I'm just an attorney that's just trying to bilk them or milk, milk their, their file and charge them additional money. 
you know, I've, I've kept the line of communication open. I have informed them through every step and it helps strengthen the relationship. Um, many of my clients that I have started out being referred to me through an insurance company and I worked with them closely. I got good results, some that I didn't get good results for, but they liked the process and how we handled things. And now they've retained me directly. And, and now a growing number of my clients are companies that have retained me directly because of how things have happened, not only with how I've handled things, but because I get good experts like CCA involved in a case and we keep the process going. Mark, I want to ask you something specific. I mean, in terms of when, when an attorney like Joe calls you up, what, what are you looking for from him in, in, uh, or any attorney that, that you need to serve them and their client and their case? I mean, what are you looking for? First off competence. And I don't say that I'm not saying that tongue in cheek. I'm saying that because I have a lot of, uh, to be candid, there are a number of attorneys out there where they're dealing with construction defect or property damages or whatever. They're, they're, they're okay lawyers, but a lot of them need a lot of, of help in understanding the issues. So do I look for a lawyer who's competent as a lawyer? Yes. Two, do I look to a lawyer who wants to actually communicate? meaning work in partnership. Um, we're fortunate, you know, we're, we're able to pick and choose, you know, our clients and we're very driven towards relationships with people that actually understand what we do and appreciate it. So communication and, and competence are the first two things I look for. And then thirdly, it's, it's an openness to understanding at the very beginning, what are the roles and the expectations and the steps and if we start with the premise, and I'm sure many people listening to this podcast will appreciate that similar to like Med Mal, construction defect cases and large property damage cases are very expert driven. And what do I mean by that? It's about money at the end of the day, almost always, but how you get to the money is based upon the expertise of the experts and how they develop the information, how they report the information and how they consider the information. And in arriving at their opinions, um, do they have an understanding and a relationship with a lawyer who will team with them? Not, not to push them us as experts into one way or the other, but understand what we're what we're proposing, how the scope of work is going to happen, and having the competence to be able to uh, take that information and work with us, because our job is to be independent, professional, competent. And then be able to help the trier of fact at the end of the day understand this stuff. So what I look for is a lawyer who understands and, and values all of those pieces of information um, and all of those processes. I, you know, I can imagine that even though you, you're trying to work for the same client, that that there are situations you get into where it can get a little sticky, right? I mean, because um, Joe, you're out front really representing that client and, and Mark, I mean, you've got your expertise that you're bringing to the table and sometimes you have sticky points, right. Uh, that, that you hit when it comes to trying to serve a client. Well, 
I, if I understand your question is, is, is do potential conflicts arise between servicing the client and doing your job? I, I think the answer is that the vast majority of experts that I know have a very bright line there. Mm. Our, we, have to, we turn jobs down if we think that a client is looking for results oriented. Here is my standard speech. If you want to know what happened, why, how to fix it, who's responsible in an objective and independent way, we're a good company to 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 work with if you have a very specific issue that you're trying to promote we're probably not the right people for you so there doesn't become a conflict if that firewall or those guardrails are there and and at least my firm we try very early on to to establish that guardrail and make sure there's an understanding before we take the case and that's really important for your credibility reputation and getting hired down the road, right? I mean, well, all those things. Yes, and, and here's why. <laughs> Unlike a lot of experts, uh, our firm does do both plaintiff and defense, and mm-hmm. we do our work exactly the same way. Mm-hmm. What, I, what do I mean by that? We don't do different testing or different allocations or different standard of care reviews or different engineering studies based on whether it's defense or plaintiff. We do the work consistently. And I can just tell you from having done this once or twice in a deposition, you get asked that all the time. Mm-hmm. And the and the importance is to do it in a candid, upfront, professional way and report those results. And by doing that and you keeping those guardrails up, you're not going to get into trouble. If you change your opinion and you change the basis for your opinion, how you do it from client to client, you're going to have conflicts. And I've seen other, I've seen experts get in trouble over that. And I've seen lawyers who have maybe in good faith and good belief have tried to pull that. Um, It doesn't usually go very well. Yeah. So I would love it if the two of you could share an example, a a particular case that maybe the two of you have worked on together. That is um, an example of how, how that relationship works where and and of course you don't have to mention names, but where where the outcome was a, a particularly good one for the client because of the way the two of you worked together. <laughs> well, I can tell you we have we you have, have one, a Joe? case. <laughs> yeah, I have one. We have a case, and and I'm not going to mention the name, but Mark, I'm sure you will recall this. We represented a um, a stucco prime contractor, and there were several hundred defendants in the case because as the prime contract stucco contractor uh my client had i think at the time 25 subcontractors that they used for this very large project mm. and when we got into the case we were brought in and there was a, an, an initial report from the plaintiff's expert allocating i don't remember the exact amount but it was multiple millions worth of of dollars worth of damage caused by the stucco. They claim that the stucco was improperly applied, the, the craftsmanship wasn't bad, the product was bad, the whole thing, and that it was causing water leaks and, and consequential damages throughout the property. Um, it was a significant claim. I brought uh, all of the various subcontractors in, and then I made sure that I got CCA involved. And we spent probably a year and a half or two years investigating this. Not only us, but everybody did. There were multiple, multiple site inspections. They were cutting things open and doing all that. 
And, you know, initially, um, the clients and their insurance carriers were quite concerned because, you know, when you when you're alleging, I don't know what the exact number was, five or six million dollars worth of damage, people get it gets people's attention and they get really, um, really concerned about it. Um, but I can tell you by, you know, w- with bringing Mark in and the 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 diligence that they showed and and really working together because something I was certainly learned a lot about stucco on that case, but also, you know, the collaborative nature of it allowed us, you know, there's confidentiality provisions involved the resolution, but I can tell you that ultimately the case was resolved and every, it was certainly nothing near what they were originally looking for because CCA was able to help me show that while there were water leaks going in there, they were caused by other factors, not the stucco. Mm. Uh, you know, and that's what a good expert has uh, involved in because, the, you know, it can be apparent that this is what caused something. But unless you dissect it, similar to like when you're doing an, either an autopsy on a, on a, on a person who's expired or, or doing exploratory surgery, you may go into it thinking that the cause is one thing, but and a, a thorough investigation shows you something else. And by working, you know, with the expert closely and getting really involved, we were able to resolve this for our clients in a way that was so extraordinarily positive that, um, you know, I've gotten a ton of business both from the insurance companies and from the clients again, uh, due to the fact that, you know, a, having a thorough, competent expert involved early who participated in every aspect of that and was able to point out and show to me, um, you know, things that were causing this that had nothing to do with the stucco. And if I had waited to the end of the case and brought them in to sort of review others' material and to to get involved later on, it's certainly, I am 100% certain that there would not have been the same positive outcome. So yeah, Mark, I, I think you remember that case. I do. I wanted to add a couple of things to that. Um, it The operative word here was data. The operative word was data and again, data. But it, Joe, I am, I do recall a case and it was a dog fight. Ultimately what happened was that it was a huge case for the carrier. It was a huge case for the subcontractor and everybody was making us a first party target meaning it must be the stucco. That's all the plaintiff wanted to talk about. And what ended up happening was we did an initial investigation. We told Joe, Joe was able to talk to the carrier and the client said, there's much more going on here with other damages at windows, soffits, caulking, um, roof lines. And our answer was we can cut this down into a reasonable professional chunk using the data, Mm. but you have to do the data. We did the data, and I will be blunt, it was a big ticket for the carrier. It was a bunch of money. But what ended up happening was we carried the data into the mediation with other experts and lawyers and the mediator, and we were able to show empirically you have this wall of stucco damage, but there's three other reasons why this leaked here, and our portion of it is over here. Here's the allocation of what we did wrong, and here's what everybody else did. Joe, if it's the case I'm remembering, I think the mediator used our numbers for the whole case yeah. to go and go to other third parties and say, you guys got to come up with this 
experts, we as experts got involved and we were able to have an expert discussion and it tremendously changed the complex of the case because now we're dealing with facts, not hyperbole, Mm -hmm. not supposition, statistical facts. And everybody knew at the end of the day, if it didn't settle, that the depositions and trial testimony were going to be compelling. And I think the mediator said that to a lot of the other third parties. And needless to say, both the client and the carrier were like, this is what we were looking for. Even though we did spend a lot of money up front, they cut their indemnity significantly. And that was what I was alluding to earlier in our conversation about there's more than one value proposition. It's not just what you save or spend on the investigation. It's how you fairly and objectively settle the case for what it's worth, not what you would like it to be. You know, further what you said, Mark, on two points, you know, this was a situation where I think the insurance company paid six figures in costs to, you know, to, to work this up, but it saved them millions at the end. Yes. And, you know, by having them involved. The other thing is one of the things that I try to do personally and with the construction practice group what I've been preaching is preparation. And I like to personally be prepared. I want to be in preparation. I find comfort. And when I go into a mediation and most of these construction cases resolve through mediation or a trial, you know, not trial because to try one of these cases is too big. As, as, as I heard a judge say, I am not renting out uh, a hangar at Newark airport in order to house everybody to try this case and tie them up for six to nine months. So the the key, you know, a lot of them resolve at mediation, but the key is preparation. And I like to be thoroughly prepared. And I like, by doing that, I know and can expect most of what will come up. And I like to be able to then use that preparation to get my point across. And dealing with a, a, an expert like a CCA who is thoroughly prepared, they give me that information. They, they, you know, it was, it was good because I got the technical aspect of it, and then I got the case for dummies, so that somebody like me could understand it. And we were then able to present it in a way and being prepared, as Mark said. We, I think, we were the only party that went to that great a detail. That's and correct. By doing that, um. It's really helpful when, you know, the other side buys your point or when the mediator is buying your point. But it's even better when, as Mark said, they adapt your theories. They adapt your 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 tables and your your numbers and they use it, you know, sort of as the guideline for the whole case. And so, um, you know, that that's happened on more than one occasion. This case in particular was was really special because it it really got great results. But but having again, having an expert early on, having a competent expert who you can collaboratively work with from the beginning always you know results in, in good you know good outcomes. Uh, they may not be the one that you want. It may not, you know, I'm not saying or guaranteeing that I'm gonna get somebody out of a case for little or nothing, but at least you know, with having that level of preparedness, with having that level of involvement, when I go to the client, when I go to the insurance company and say, look, you know, 
this is a loser for us. We, you know, get the checkbook out. We're going to have to write a nice large check. They feel confident in both myself and the expert because we've been involved from the beginning. We've done our due diligence, the investigation, and I have gotten either a verbal report or a written report. Uh, I've, I've involved the clients, the carriers from the beginning who have worked with me and they feel a part of the process so that when it, you know, it's not sticker shock at the end of the, of a bad case. When I say you need to write this big check, they, they see the writing on the wall. They know it's coming along and, and they're confident that, you know, while they may be disappointed that they have to pay that much, they're confident that, that everything has been done the right way and, and possible to limit their exposure and to protect them and, and that we have done the right job for them. And I think there's one other quick point. Please. We had really good success with this process about engaging. And I've done this both on the plaintiff and the defense side. If you do your work, show your work. I always encourage the, the attorneys to say, let the experts get in a room and see what we agree on. Mm. And if you're really well prepared and you've got a good team and you've got the competence of your counsel and, and, and client to do that, and you've got a good mediator or sometimes a judge will order it, um, it does worlds of good to move a case forward and get it resolved. Uh, to Joe's point, it's not always where you want it to be, but when you let the experts go at it, one of two things happen. Either they got good data, both got good data, and they get to an answer, or one's got good data and the other one doesn't, and the second one sort of has to fall into line and defend themselves, and now they're they're have a different issue because they got to go to their client and say why they can't defend it. In either case, it really helps to move things along and push towards getting cases resolved. And that's part of a strategy of doing your work properly, independently, objectively, thoroughly, being prepared, being data-driven, have a basis for it, so that when you walk into that room to talk to another expert or in a mediation, people are at the end are going, I believe what you said, you have a basis for it, I may disagree with your result, but at least I understand how you got there. And that's the first place where you go to resolve these cases, finding a common ground of what the facts are. Folks, you've been listening to Mark McGivern, uh, Principal Chief Executive Officer, Construction Consulting Associates, and Joe Herbert. He is the co-chair of the Construction Practice Group for Hall Booth Smith. Um, I think the two of you have given a really compelling argument uh, for the best way for counsel and expert to work together in cases like this. And I can't imagine that there aren't some folks that would like to be in touch hearing uh, this discussion. So let's give them directions on how to do that. Mark, you go first. Um, you can reach us through our website at www.ccaco.com and uh, you'll find the contact information there. Joe? Sure. If anybody would like to uh, reach us for anything that they need, uh, across the country, you can contact me directly. Uh, my telephone number is nine seven, uh, excuse me, seven three two three four five nine three three three. Or you can reach out to me through my email, which is j herbert h e r b e r t at whole booth smith h a l l b o o t h s m i t h dot com. 
And you can check us out on our website, hallboothsmith.com. Joseph Herbert with Hall Booth Smith, Mark McGivern with Construction Consulting Associates. Gentlemen, this has been compelling. Thank you so much for coming on and sharing your expertise. Thank you, John. Thank you, John. Hey, folks, just a quick reminder that HBS Legal Trends is brought to you by Hall Booth Smith. And for Hall Booth Smith, experience across legal disciplines combined with the focus on the unique business requirements of the client is a hallmark of the firm. The clients of the firm receive the attention, expertise, and cost-effectiveness of a smaller law firm with a full-service and strong regional presence that's typical of a large firm. At HBS, their promise is to ser- serving to achieve excellence. If you'd like more information, visit hallboothsmith.com. Uh, Joe, Mark, again, congratulations on the great work you do. It's been a pleasure having you on the show. Thanks again. Thank you very much. Thanks, Mark. Thanks, John. Thanks to both of you. And for my guests, Joe Herbert and Mark McGivern, I'm John Ray. Join us next time here on HBS Legal Trends. (laughs) 